0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, The Expeditioner's Roberto, coming to you from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Um, I'm chatting with you on this spectacular app called the Colin app. And uh, what makes this app really unique is the ability uh, to be interacting with fans with speakers and with people all around. But today, today is an exciting day because I've got an interview with Jillian Brown. Now, I've known Gillian through social media for a few years. She did a 200 day paddling expedition where she went all the way from Oregon to Louisiana, 16 states, four rivers, and a 420 mile portage that I'm really keen to know more about. Now, Jillian is a very unique girl in that she is as tough as nails. I see the adventures she goes on, and for a guy that understands type 2 fun, this girl can tough it out. Um, She's a photographer, a speaker, a mental health advocate, a writer, explorer, And one thing that not too many people know about is that she's also an artist. And I was perusing her Instagram page earlier and uh, looking at some of the art that she draws and creates. And I'm like, I had no idea about this side of you. So I'll invite Jillian to come on board as a speaker now. All right. Let's see. I know you're there, Jillian. I see you. So you just got to go into the caller queue and then I can accept you as a caller. Let's see now. Here we go. Now you just got to unmute your microphone. Here we go. Hi, Perfect. Jillian. Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> how are you? Amazing. Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Amazing. How, how, Thank you. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Bring your phone a little bit closer to you just so I could get okay. uh, best, best audio. Where are you now?
1: I am currently in Cultus Lake, British Columbia.
0: Okay. I have no idea where that is. So geographically. <laughs>
1: Oh, you don't know where Cultus Lake is? No. Um, well, you're, <laughs> well, I, you're a BC adventurer, so you're going to have to come visit Cultus Lake sometime because you'll love it as a paddler, too. But it's um, maybe 10 minutes up from, or down, I guess, from Chilliwack.
0: Okay. Yep. Um,
1: so southern southern BC, um, right along the American border, essentially.
0: Right, where most Canadians live, along the border of Canada and <laughs> <in> the US. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Access to backcountry adventures in the area?
1: Um, Yeah, I haven't been doing a lot um, being here. I wasn't planning on being here originally for as long as I've been, but (laughs) I got stuck here due to all of the floods in British Columbia.
0: Oh, that's Um, true.
1: Yeah, so we got totally cut off in this cultist Lake community, um, and I was at my boyfriend's place visiting him, and so I ended up having to be here for three weeks Um, unplanned just because there was no roads to get out of here Um, and then ended up just staying because I had to book work while I was here and um, yeah
0: do you have your your trusty steed with you the jeep
1: so I have a new jeep okay yes yeah (laughs) my my trusty famous white 96 jeep Cherokee uh, blew up in the uh, summertime,
0: yeah. So, right. That's a that's a dramatic way for it to go.
1: It had it had to go out with uh, with class and style. That's right. Right. after all of the adventures that that thing went on and took me on. Um, yeah, it, it definitely definitely uh, did did it with class. That's what and, sure. and
0: how how exactly did that happen? How does it like just like are you driving and then you're like, hey, that's smoke coming from the hood. Maybe um, I should pull over, or is it just like an explosion, or is it a flake? How how does that how well, does the car? There, expl- there was a <laughs> little bit
1: of buildup to it originally. Um, uh, there were two things that happened: the transmission kind of went, so it wasn't shifting properly, and right. then, well, a caliper on the same at this exact same time, a caliper seized, right? And so I actually pissed my pants it just about about took me off of um the highline road you might know in british columbia it's like this one lane the most terrifying envision the most terrifying mountain road yeah possible that's one lane um super high up just straight drops on the side Oh jeez. and all of that happened on that road and there's no cell service out there Um, so yeah i i literally pissed myself and then managed to get to this um, this little we call him Hippie ricks organic farm area and connect to his Wi Fi to to call somebody. Um, but yeah, <laughs>
0: that that, that's, that is quite dramatic. You know those those winding uh, single lane highways, no signal. It seems like the the car just wanted to to let you go and proper I, fashion <laughs> I,
1: I think so it, it, it didn't make it out of that community um that little tiny native community there i managed yeah. to cutter it down there and that's where it stayed and it got donated to the community there so that the, right. and, and the youth and the kids can work on it because it, all that was at that point i had put a bunch i got the transmission fixed i got yeah. a whole bunch of things fixed but um but then it overheated it blew up so it's a fun project for youth to learn
0: on. <laughs> right. Like brand
1: new tires. It had a bunch of like money that was just sunk into it. So like, I can't, can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> and
0: and okay. did you get to a trucker or a friend to pick you up and take you out? Because I'm sure you were toting a bunch of gear in your, your car as well, no?
1: Uh, I ended up um, having to pay one of the locals to um to get me home to
0: get you out of there oh geez well well definitely uh (laughs) dramatic to say the least (laughs) (laughs) well thanks a lot for joining me today um the last time I saw you was when you were doing a presentation at an overland event pre-pandemic um and you had that uh, I think vehicle behind you and I was like it had such character um and and I know that uh that a vehicle you tend to like I don't know, not fall in love with it, but in a way, it's got, you go through so many difficulties with your trusty seed that uh, that it's hard to let them go sometimes, even though they're past their due date. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, that one <laughs> that one in particular, that it, it was stolen right after that Overland Rally where we met. It was oh, stolen no. <laughs> with all my gear in it.
0: It, oh, um, but
1: it, but it had taken me all over the country, across Canada a couple of times. I lived in it for 73 days. Um and then I when I was homeless I had it at that time too so I had it beside me and lived in it a little bit at that time um That yeah,
0: all right and then so, it, and then, so yeah
1: so let's <laughs> back let,
0: <laughs> let, let let's let's backtrack a little bit so you were where when did so you said the term homeless and I think there's a differentiator between van life and homeless. So so take us back a little bit and I'd I'd love to give our listeners a background into um into first you're an expeditioner, you started going on uh, <laughs> big canoe trips and kayak adventures, uh and then was that prior were you doing that prior to becoming homeless, or did you become an adventurer after being homeless?
1: All of the big ones that you're referring to came afterwards. Um, okay. I've always been an adventurer at heart and outdoors, outdoors person um, and exploring and that kind of thing. That's how I grew up. So that was always in me, but yeah, the, the pushing, pushing limitations came after.
0: Right. So you, so this was around what age that, uh, that you were by the curb per se?
1: Um, so I, the homeless part would have been in 2015 yeah um so six years ago now and how
0: how did that come about if i can ask um yeah of course yeah
1: yeah you can ask anything i'm gonna okay all right um for sure and and, yeah if it's something that goes negative i usually try to make it into positive to kind of avoid that that side of it um but um yeah, so so that stemmed from in 2010, I moved to British Columbia from mm-hmm. um, from Manitoba. Yep. I grew up as well as Northwestern Ontario, um, and I was really I was struggling mentally there to be inspired. I'd finished kind of a university program. Mm-hmm. And what what dad, program
0: did you did you study or were you in? So,
1: so I, I took fine arts for a couple of years, and then yep. I got accepted into um, a photography program in a private um, school yeah. um, called Prairie View School of Photography, which is a very intensive diploma program um, for 10 months. So I did that and graduated. And then, um, uh, yeah, like I said, I was struggling quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. My dad yeah. invited me on like a business trip to Vancouver, uh-huh. went along, rented a car and drove up the Sea to Sky, so from Vancouver up through Squamish, Whistler, Pemberton, and completely fell in love. (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) A week later, I had packed up all my things and drove out there. And to this day, I swear my mom has not forgiven my dad for that one. (laughs) Um,
0: You should have never invited her on that trip. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Uh,
0: and And you say homeless, but isn't like... It sounds to me almost like when you're doing a road trip that a ways, isn't it more like van life? Cause I also was arriving into Whistler with a Pathfinder loaded with gear, but, and I didn't have a home at the time when I was arriving as well, around 2000 and oof, that would be like around the same time, like 2015 or so. Um, but I didn't consider myself homeless. I considered it more van life. What, what differentiates it there to, for you to use that term?
1: So, when I moved out, which I, was what I was just referring to, that, to BC, that was 2010. Yeah. And that was where I got a job working for a dog sled company, got involved with that, fell in love with that sport, as well as a musher there. And we started a life together. Um, oh, cool. We ended up breeding dogs and we ended up starting our own dog sled company in Golden and rescued yeah. sled dogs from all over Canada. Um, but that relationship was abusive from essentially oh. the start. Mm-hmm. And it was five and a half years we were together, and to and it was abusive basically for that entire time. Oh wow! And I finally, um, through meeting, I'm going to drop a name here that, uh, that I'm sure you're going to know, Kirby yeah. Brown,
0: Debbie Brown. Um, it does he, ring a bell.
1: He's the general manager of the Cetus Sky Gondola. He ran oh, cool. Black Home Snowmobile or Blackcomb Mountain, Whistler Blackcomb. Um, I'm sure if you saw him, you would yeah. know him. Yeah. A very sweet, kind man. uh, Uh I met him randomly at the Watershed Grill, famous place in Squamish. Um, And he kind of he actually acknowledged my existence. And I was there just for a little work trip. And him and his friends kind of took me in. And while I was headed back to that relationship, um, completely terrified, I gave him a call and he really helped me leave that but I had to in order to leave I had to leave everything all of my sled dogs all of my businesses my home wow. that we had created in golden um, right. and I had only I had three hundred dollars that I had been hiding um, as oh, I didn't geez. have kind of control over anything right. um, so so when I left I drove straight from Golden to squamish and all I had was a tent I picked up from a, a woman um, on the side of the road for right. sixty dollars. And yeah. my my one dog. Um and that was, that was it, other than the Jeep, um, which then had to store my camera gear and that kind of thing. So it yeah. didn't have a lot of room to be sleeping in or using as a van life kind right. of thing. Um so that's that's the difference was it wasn't yes. planned. Right. I'm <laughs> gonna <to> this. this <laughs> is really so fun. Um, so, No, that's why I refer to it as as homeless.
0: um, Right. So I guess in 2010, when you first arrived, we were still it was prior to meeting uh, the sled dog guy. And and that at that point, it was perhaps adventure. Then met this guy. uh, Unfortunately, had what sounds like a very terrible uh, experience there. Um, I can't imagine. Um, And then got was able to get out of that, and at that point, I guess that's when it's rock bottom. No, like because
1: yeah, like you yeah, said, you didn't sure. have anything. Yeah, yeah. Ended up, um, yeah, living in a tent for seven months, um, which nowadays is pretty normal.
0: For right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but,
1: um, but at that time, was definitely yeah, not not something planned or I didn't think it was that enjoyable, but right. it came to be the best place um, for me to find healing, um, Uh, through all of that. But, but yeah, I was at my lowest point. I, I contemplated suicide while I was there at the river, um, and immediately went to a counselor and was diagnosed with PTSD, um, and kind of had to, had to navigate that all alone while being in this tent in the woods.
0: For Um, sure. For sure.
1: Which, yeah, it was definitely a low point, but also Probably, like, if you look at it, like, the highest point, because it's what shifted everything in my life.
0: Right. So, I think, like, just to give people a few little stats here, like, 70% uh, of most mental health problems have their onset during childhood or adolescence. There's, like, 290 people worldwide that deal with anxiety. I I think that number is probably low, because reality is we all deal with anxiety at certain times in our life. But... Um, but probably there's degrees to it. Uh, I'm sure about 4,000 Canadians per year die by suicide, an average of almost 11 suicides a day. Um, so this, you know, this is something very real and I, I find it's, it's something that people talk more often about and, uh, used to be taboo. So I really appreciate you being so open, uh, about all of this. I think it takes enormous strength to lay out one's life uh, on the table like that publicly, so I tip my hat uh, to you, Julian, <laughs> on that. And from reading some of your your posts on social, you know, I, I feel that at this transition state, it seems like this is where you got at this point the strength and the the whole change in life to do bigger expeditions and adventures. Um, but uh, so, how did how did you go from this point to deciding to do a two hundred day paddling? Uh, cross-country expedition
1: uh yeah definitely well while i was there in that tent for those seven months i had to figure out my tools to manage my ptsd or stresses anxieties all of those things um and and through that i it really shifted my mindset to back how i grew up and being out on the water all the time growing up on a small island um, in Northwestern Ontario with my grandparents where it's instilled in us work ethic. And if you want to have fun, you have to put in that that time and dedication to achieve a goal or um, work towards a goal in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of reconnecting to that way of of life as a child. Um,
0: yeah. And so doing they, all- they, was it, uh, you said it's your grandparents that instilled this foundation in you?
1: Our her whole family really had yeah. that mentality. I got I, I was really lucky to have my great grandparents alive. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and, and my great grandpa he passed away in his nineties, and we still would bring him out to our cabin, and he'd still be trying to go out and sail, trying to go out and kayak, and trying to like cut the hedges and everything. We're like, grandpa, you can't from right. one <laughs> out, so how are
0: we get so down from that better? tree, grandpa? <laughs> yeah,
1: anything, but um. But just, to and so, that, just sheer determination you, and passion for yeah. the things that are that he loved in life. Um,
0: yeah. And you said uh, kayak, you, you mentioned some paddle sports there. So paddling, canoeing, <laughs> kayaking was something that you've done since your youth.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My my great grandpa had a kayak and then my grandma um had an aluminum canoe that she bought when she was 17. She saved up and bought it and it was still there.
0: It's a Um, classic, those aluminum canoes. Oh yeah, it weighs
1: like, who knows, God knows how much, but yeah, they're amazing.
0: Yeah, and Um, they have like dents and you could almost like do you remember that dent came from uh, when we wrapped it around X Rock? <laughs> right? Yeah. This, but, yeah.
1: There's, it's so funny, um, and so, my grandma always tells that story when you pull that out. Like, grandma, we know the story how, you, yeah. how it came
0: to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you had this. So, so I'll let you keep going on this. So, you, you've, you had this foundation of uh, a work ethic, uh, paddling, and then how did that lead you to to do like something so so grand um, sure. and and exhausting? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so it stemmed with, it started with kind of smaller expeditions, um, yep. and, uh, and starting to, for one, I started to be on social media a little bit and, and try to learn that, that side of things, mm-hmm. um, and actually started to go back after what I was a passionate about my photography and, and being outdoors and trying to do that rather than focusing my life on somebody else's passion. As much as I loved dog sledding and that yeah. side of things, I was really doing it because I loved that it was making somebody else so happy. Yeah. Um, so a uh, new
0: focus on yourself.
1: Yeah. And, um, and that, as soon as I started to kind of give that energy off, a lot more opportunities started to present mm-hmm. themselves. And I, I met Jamie Sharp. Um, oh, yes, I know Jamie.
0: For, <laughs> yeah,
1: of course. Um, so, so he was working for Sea to Sky Expeditions at the yeah. time. So I got connected with them and went out and documented one of their whale trips. Um, ah. and while we were out on this whale trip, Jamie starts talking about this harebrained idea of taking a tandem sea kayak down the Colorado river and nobody had done it before and all these things. And I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> you need somebody in it. And he's like, well, I have like this girl that I think is going, um, and it's supposed to be going with me. Who's like an, a love interest. And okay. so, so that's where that kind of that part of the real Pushed but to do she, but she didn't things. go. You, exactly. she didn't go. You
0: went, right? <laughs> it,
1: yeah, exactly. So, come a week out from that trip, Jamie yeah. calls me up and he's like, "So, you expressed some interest in doing this <laughs> trip, and uh, and my chick and I just broke up. Um, right. I made the mistake of taking her out in the divorce boat beforehand. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I said yes. Um, yep. And kind of viewed it as, for one, this person was putting trust in me on Mm -hmm. that I would have enough, some sort of enough ability to paddle, but also to document this journey for, for us and to help him achieve his own goal. So that right Mm -hmm. there gave me huge confidence, Yeah. but it also, um, I was at that point of like, if I can make it through what I've already made it through.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and never that could do
0: anything, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, and never hold any sort of anger towards that person or that situation, and always be thankful towards mm-hmm. what I've gone through. Well, then why can't I go and achieve this or be a part right. of this, even though I'm completely terrified and don't? I'm not a whitewater paddler or anything, but um, yeah, why not? Let's yep. do this. And uh, that's that's kind of the big starting point of then getting on these long expeditions. um. I
0: I think the word that comes to (laughs) mind there is most, most definitely brave. Um, I think you like, I can only think of from what you went through to, to throw yourself into these adventures using the tools uh of paddling and of art and photography and creativity i think uh, i think i i tip my hat to your being <laughs> brave simply put and how how long was that uh adventure down the colorado river
1: that one was just 12 days um yeah moving really fast Um yeah. for one that that 22 foot long tandem goes really fast and it's yeah a, a, yeah definite yellow tank on the river
0: totally um, so yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm speaking to an expedition person when they say that was just 12 days. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> if, if you're talking to somebody else, they're just like, "Oh my god, it was the worst five days, or the hardest, <laughs> or it was like so daunting." Okay, so so I, I I feel you. I feel you. And so, how did you go from from just 12 days to 200 days?
1: Um. So, the, the following year, um, I was approached um, a, by, by another adventurer. Um, yep. Yeah. And he had kind of a similar story as Jamie, where he had a team that, he had, that, that had come together to create this amazing expedition. They had won a bunch of awards and grants to fuel it and had all the sponsors. And they had a really big falling out. And mm-hmm. so there was only one person left and they needed, of course, at least two because there was a canoe thing. Right. Um, this person was not is not a solo paddler or adventurer at all. Right. And they they contacted me, um, being that I had the, the tools of paddling to be able to do such a feat, but also the ability to, to document because that was a big um, motive for why their sponsors and why they had had these awards given to them um, right. was, was for documenting this this grand journey. Um, and yeah and again it was that thought of like holy cow, all these sponsors, all these brands know who I am and they're yeah. coming together to call me up and, and suggest me because they put a, ca- a basically a casting call out and, right. that I heard and uh, and I didn't apply or anything. And they called me and asked, it was a, it was like the biggest honor. Yeah. That, um I happened to be in Winnipeg visiting my parents when they called me, and I, I immediately, I'm like, I want to say yes. Just give me one second. <laughs> and, and turned to my parents and I'm like, so how do you feel about having a dog for like 250 days? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> that was all I thought about. That was all. I'm like, I can figure
0: out logistics. my place. Yeah. I can
1: figure out some money for like paying bills while I'm away for that amount of time. That's all easy, but I got to figure out my dog. Dog, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as my parents said yes, then I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I can do that.
0: Wow. <laughs> so I,
1: that's how I, the journey I, came about. Right.
0: And that what was your, was that your first experience with sponsors or had you had, had a bit of it with Jamie on the Colorado River as well?
1: Yeah, I had had a bit with Jamie um, a little bit prior to, to him. I had gained a few. Um, yeah. That had that had approached me through my photography um and then through the connection of jamie and we had a lot of magazine articles and, and interviews after that
0: because um, you're you're a writer as well no yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. We, we we i understand you we wear many hats <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: yeah um yeah so we so that was kind of how a lot of these brands and stuff already knew of me which yeah. i still was like how did they like? I don't understand this. I'm just helping a friend achieve a goal, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had started to then also learn a lot more about approaching um, and writing sponsors. Yeah. Um, through that whole process, so so yeah. At that point, when I did the cross America trip, I was pretty good at at knowing that communication um, and yes. and and also asking what they were looking for right um two
0: so and, and 200 days um so that started at what time of the year and then kind of ended at what time of the year
1: that started April 28th we put yep. it on the Columbia River um in Astoria Oregon and I finished um late fall you finished solo
0: remember. or you finished together I finished solo Okay, so somewhere in these 200 uh, days, there was some interesting, juicy story.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's just say that there was a reason that he was the only one left at the very start. Right. And that, that, that information was not explained to me prior to. Right. It might have changed my thought process on saying yes to it. Yeah. Um, And I figured that out on day 100 that I could no longer support that. Basically, the way I worded it is there was no longer room for his ego and another person in that canoe.
0: Gotcha. And so how did you split the canoe? Did you cut it in half?
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Nope. So originally, I arranged with some some of my kayaking sponsors. Um, I called them up and they arranged a kayak and paddles and all these things for me in St. Louis. And the plan was I was simply just going to go in, the, in a kayak. And I was going to continue to do the job that I had signed up for because mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't want to not keep going. I didn't want to let anyone down. I didn't want to let sponsors down and not be doing my job. So yeah. the idea was I'd be in a kayak. Everything would now be separate. I could camp somewhere different if I wanted um, and have a lot more freedom but we would just tell everyone I'm simply going into a kayak to give a different perspective on the story.
0: Right. And And, and and they don't
1: need to know anything about this uh, negative side or anything.
0: Absolutely. And it's understandable because brands would like to keep the positive uh, out of all of this. And and what we do as I guess, photographers, creators, expeditioners, influencers is, is to inspire as much as uh, we don't often show the dark side of some things and events that happen. Um, I think the goal for brands is to get more people outdoors and, and more people exploring. So, sure. so I think that that's definitely understandable. And you yeah. uh, you've been sea kayak. So this one was a single uh, sea yeah. kayak, obviously yeah, yeah.
1: it was the current design storm. So right. An 18 foot um, expedition kayak. So it had held lots of gear. Of course I had to downsize a little bit.
0: Um, yeah. Rudder sure, from, or skeg.
1: Um, it had a rudder.
0: Rudder. I don't like yeah. rudders. Do You like rudders?
1: I say so yeah, I had never used one before that. I've used a skeg or or nothing. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved having that feeling of control with my paddle. Yeah. But my goodness, ever <laughs> nice on the on the Mississippi River, right? To have that help so that and and because I'm paddling 14, 16 hour days in a yeah. in really hot, I could put the paddle <laughs> down for a bit. And still and just, control right. myself. Um, and I liked that it kept my feet kind of moving a little bit, so that I wasn't yes, yes, having, you don't go like, numb. Sleep. Yeah, yeah.
0: I yeah. usually have to like. I find that when I'm on a, on a big paddle day, I go. I don't know, maybe four kilometers. I jump out of my boat, stretch yeah. a bit, and then when I get back in the boat, that I'm then I'm good for like another twenty. But but it takes like a little pause near the beginning for me to get my. Into the flow of things and not to feel numb. Or I'm also six foot one. You're like five foot nothing. No, <laughs> five <laughs> yeah. five. But yeah, I'm then, sure. <laughs> I tried in a kayak pretty perfect. Yes, um, yeah, um, I definitely
1: do the same. Luckily, I, I guess. Luckily, um, being not lucky in a lot of ways, but being female, you have to stop to pee anyways. Right. Yes, so
0: that's true. a Nice
1: little stretch break every time. Um, yes. And then, because it was so hot down there, I would in the south, um, I'd jump in and go for a little swim, which was a nice stretch too. Um, uh, no, then, alligators,
0: crocodiles. You said oh, there like,
1: alligators and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 sure.
1: I went for a swim with one at one um, at one camp, which was awesome. Well, as
0: it as in You saw it before you went in, oh, or yeah, you saw yeah, it yeah. while you were in? No, it was it was there. Um, that Your was, marbles were a bit loose that day, or. <laughs> it was,
1: I've, I've always wanted to be that close but like interact with for one any wildlife not not yeah, on like, that, an unsafe level but um but I was but, always this alligator was always in sight for me and it's not right. like I went up and tried to touch it or anything. I went was the water, the water murky? And Oh
0: yeah you can't see shit in the massive. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh, and like you're not like like this is the, but, the the list of bucket things that I do not want to do the I don't know what you would call it, like, the things you don't ever put in the bucket. <laughs> but,
1: these, but the thing is, is because it's so murky, there could be a different alligator in that water. That Absolutely. So really, uh, like, either I stay completely out of the water because it's murky and there's that fear of, well, there could be an alligator or there could be something in there. Or I push through and think, well, at least that, like, either I'm going to go in or I'm not kind of thing. And this one was far enough away and i could see it that i was like well this is smart even though there could be alligators under the water right
0: now i don't i don't know if that's the word i would use this time (laughs) (laughs) i don't (laughs) you know alligators like to go like they'll they they can't see very much uh in murky water so they they tend to go up to a log and just like chunk on it just to see if it was something that might have been edible So that's the diff, like for me between sharks and alligators, I've been on scuba dives where like here in Puerto Vallarta, I've been on a dive here before where the guy I was diving with, he's like, he just made the sign that we were to go back up and I, and it was just him and I. And I'm like, we just been down here for like five minutes and we're at 40 feet or so. So we go back up and we get in the boat and I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, yeah, I just saw an alligator or a crocodile. I'm not sure which of the two it was. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, great call. Great, great call because they, they are – I am not comfortable in the water with an alligator. So this time I will mix – the word you used of smart, <laughs> I don't know, with with brave or... Uh. But, but I could see
1: that one the whole time. So if I was going to get bit, it would have been from the one that I couldn't see. So.
0: Is that more comforting? That I, I, I hear you. I know after many days of not showering <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> we will That's have to leave as a, I don't recommend... <laughs> Yeah. But well, I, I don't recommend either. These are
1: things like, as you know, as an adventurer and being outdoors in the wilderness where there's wildlife, you got to learn about these animals that could be predatory yeah. and how to interact and how to be safe in their environment because you're in their environment.
0: For sure. I, feel, so, I, I feel I feel safer with a grizzly at 100 feet or yeah. 70 feet than I do. In water that I could see an alligator because somehow there's the thought that, uh, wait a second, the alligator is watching me because if <laughs> I can see it, it can see me. And that's not very great. <laughs> so, so I, so I guess on the trip you've seen uh, you've, black bears plenty. I'm assuming.
1: Uh, I've seen in, in, in my life, I've seen tons of wildlife, everything probably on that right. trip. On that trip, I guess. Um, I think maybe one black bear oh wow um,
0: I see that like, one a day there. in Whistler <laughs> I know
1: there wasn't there wasn't a lot around um, there were tracks a few places down in the yeah. south um, I I had no concept that there would be bears down in the south yeah and I ran into a couple um, a, a, a father and son helping another boater and yeah. stopped and chatted with them and they're talking about all the dangers on the river and how it's not safe like the cottonmouths, the rattlesnakes, right. the wild
0: boars, <laughs> the alligators, and then there's bears. And I'm like, well, for the I, on my last, uh, I think, a couple of podcasts ago, I was telling people that there's bears in northern Mexico as well. People didn't know that, but They're yes, there are. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, but I was. I'm like now I have to worry about bears too. i like, right? I was
1: thinking like the one thing is finally like. There's all these other new things, but I don't have you, to worry about
0: bears anymore. You you <laughs> did touch on uh you did touch on some of the uh species of animals that I'm not too fond of and that you get to encounter a lot more so as you're heading south, but like snakes and bugs and just Yeah. Ah uh, uh, yeah, snakes and me, we no, we don't we're not friends. <laughs> you know, keep your corner or you're slithering away and I will stay over here. <laughs> um yeah. so so then there's a 420 mile portage in this.
1: There, yep, there was. <laughs>
0: and and uh, is that with a is that with a dolly or or is yeah. it like like the proper Voyager way?
1: No, we had um, we had the canoe. I was still with that other paddler.
0: Right. Um, we okay. Had the
1: canoe on a little cart on tires. Yeah. We had some gear in the canoe, and then we had um, backpack. Each of us had a pack on. Yeah. And I had my camera gear. Um, and then and then the the canoe was harnessed to the back of my backpack so I was hiking pulling the canoe with the gear and stuff.
0: Um, wow. You were it yeah, seems so. sounds like sounds to me like you were taking a bit more of the load on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> maybe that about that, a lot of the things on that. that, place, that's for sure. <laughs> that, that sounded like a telling laugh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, i don't know what else to say I know. For <laughs> sure, the, for funny sure. enough there's no photos of him with the backpack on harness to the canoe so right <laughs> i yeah. i hear you i hear you so so this this uh journey ended where um louisiana i think it was
1: the, um the the whole trip yeah um, went from oregon to i finished in baton Rouge, louisiana um and that was at that point i was pretty just mentally drained um yeah. when i ended up solo so so when I, that whole plan of going into the kayak and still continuing on, that lasted for one, one night to all of us together. He got another person in the boat, which he threw out, um, later, horribly. Right.
0: Um, to the crocodiles or.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I think The kid probably wished that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Save yeah. me. Anything yeah. is better than this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh,
1: but the. The next, the we spent all one night all camped together, and then the next night we were all invited to stay um, at a River Angel. They're called to so somebody who is offering support in some way to people paddling yep. these rivers. And oh, cool. Yeah, offered us all a place to stay, shower, meal, and I took the the family up on the offer. Um, yep. and I got to wake up to a text message saying, "Don't bother coming back and meeting up." If you're going to continue, continue on alone, and I was left with no, no battery packs, no solar panels, no radios, no safety equipment, right? Um, a little bit of food, yeah. So then it was that pretty, pretty broken at yeah. that point to be left somewhere where you don't know anyone, and uh, a stranger printed out some maps for me, so I had some paper maps.
0: Oh, jeez. Um,
1: for that, and uh, yeah, and then I just I kept going. Um, of course, but by the time yes. I was raped right by Baton Rouge, I had been getting pounded for days with tropical storms.
0: Yes. I was going to, uh, my, one of my next questions would be like, I've, I remember. And I think even while it was happening that you were posting about these horrendous, like nonstop rain.
1: Yeah. Just massive monsoons and just couldn't get dry. And I poison, poison Ivy or poison Oak at some point, And it was just out there. You get that oil and it gets on your sleeping bag or, or on anything. And it and, yeah. spreads it because you can't clean anything. Yeah. Um, so I had it just all over. And it brutal. was all now raw and infected because I was always wet. Yep. And had bites of every type all over. I, I, I don't the like mental, the south. Like, the mental state of it. Like, I can yeah. handle all of that side of it. Because that's just physical pain. Like having a broken foot on that portage. Like Physical pain is so different than mental because yeah you can keep you can move past physical pain if it's not too bad but mentally if you if you can't break that barrier then you're not going to do safe things um you're not going to react properly all of that side of things yeah and that was the point where in baton rouge it was not meant to be the final destination but i was so mentally broken and knowing that I was about to go into the Gulf of Mexico with no maps, no nothing to make it safe, which yeah. is not at all smart, as much no. as I wanted to go and do it, right? Push through and not feel, not let anyone down. Um,
0: but yeah, you, you, a- like, like to be honest, like a, an expedition of at that point uh, a couple hundred days is I, I can't see. Uh, anybody being disappointed after a journey like that? Like I know that your goal might have been, uh, m- longer and, and whatnot, but, but that's still a massive accomplishment. Like I have a friend that I'm going to have on the podcast, uh, in the next couple of weeks and he ran barefoot, semi barefoot. It's like with those like waraches, like practically yes. flip flops, uh, from Montreal all the way to Guatemala. And wow. and he felt like he was disappointing people a little bit because he didn't run all the way to Argentina. And I'm like, okay. uh, dude, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one
1: of those. It's like it's pretty it's probably the hardest barrier as an adventurer to to view it in an achievement sense when it's not the goal. Right. So you still feel like a failure, but yeah, no one will ever view you that way. No, having to having to break down that and look at what you've actually accomplished and look at it from more of an outside perspective is really the hardest part and takes so much time. Like I went I went completely dark off social media for a month because I felt like I couldn't I didn't for one, I didn't want to say the negative of that. I'm all of a sudden solo and this is why that for one, I'm always very open and honest. And I felt like I was now not being truthful about what happened. So that was weighing on me. And everybody just wanted to know that. All of our sponsors, yeah. like all of the magazines and newspapers, they all wanted to know, well, how did you get solo? And i, I right. that was like the last thing that I Maybe wanted that
0: you to, want to talk about. about. Like, what about like, how was the rain on day number 12 that you were going in the monsoon? And how were yeah. the bugs and the snakes? And, um, you know, there's the... A lot, a lot of people that see camping or expeditions have no idea of the discomfort that often goes hand in hand with these types of things because you could be peppy and doing like, all right, yeah, I just talked off a 30-kilometer day and I feel great and the day after is great and it's been sunny and the food's been good. And then there's the days of like, oh, I really don't want to get out of my sleeping bag. Everything is sore. I've got blisters on my feet. My gear is all wet. The last thing I want to put on is my wet gear. There's barely any good food left. There's barely any food left, or there is no food left except that half jar of peanut butter that I'm sticking my fingers in because, like a madman because I'm just desperate to get some, some energy. So I, I get you, I, I up, and I applaud you because these the, the things and that adventure and, and other ones that you've done I find uh, are epics, and you, you cannot take away from that.
1: Yeah, the funny part that you didn't that you left out, and that I find that all of us who are adventure photographers in particular, or making like doing documentary stuff, yeah. is that we never mention the fact that we're also staying up later and getting up earlier and to shoot to, put, to yeah to do all the editing to get emails to sponsors to do all that stuff. Yeah, but we're also running on a lot less sleep than a normal person who is doing that. It's like like, uh, a person that I was paddling with. I got to go to bed at eight o'clock or whenever they finished their meal. I had to stay up two hours later to download photos, to charge up the computer, to then send emails, to get all that out. And And then just as you're finishing. To be able to document now all the morning routines. So you're also doing your, the camp routine that everyone else is doing, but you're also documenting that camp routine. You're, you're strained mentally doing that and thinking about that while you're doing your normal routine that everyone else is doing, plus then the extra weight of all of your camera equipment yeah, that you're yeah. having to bring <laughs> there's so much stuff that is so funny yeah. that as those people like yourself, um, who are doing that, we never really bring that up.
0: No. And, and it's uh, this is
1: totally not thought of as like as an adventure photographer. As in, you're not thought of as like an athlete or anything. You're just thinking right. like you're a photographer. Well what if like we have to be super we have to be way more
0: capable. We Absolutely. <laughs> and I, and I've always looked, a lot of people have all, often asked me like, oh, who do you look up to? And I'm like, well, you know, people like Freya Hoffmeister that's done like these epic kayaking expeditions, but particularly yeah. people like Pablo Durana, who's like a Nat Geo photographer, videographer that used to go to my school. And what, what I look up to is the uh, appreciation for toting the gear and shooting, because I, it's, Every if you're every moment that you're on these expeditions and adventures, you're like, oh, I want to get this shot and I want to capture that. And okay, so now I have to get out of my boat. I have to set up a camera over there, repaddle twice the section that I do just to get that shot, get the gear back in. Make sure that I don't kill the camera by dropping it in the water while I'm trying to do this as fast as possible so that I'm also making distance. And then I've got to charge the stuff at night. And then at night when I'm just about to go to bed and i am like done the transferring of whatever needed to be done, oh man, the stars are out. Let me set up a time-lapse and let me get out of the time-lapse. <laughs> and then whenever I'm in the tent and I've got a time-lapse going on, there's like this little corner of fear in the back of my mind that's like, oh, is it going to start raining? So the moment I start hearing drops on the tent, is like yeah. I jump out of my sleeping bag, put on my Crocs or whatever I have got at the time and bolt out to realize that it was just like a tiny amount of rain. That being said, other times it has been, like you hear the first seven drops and the speed yeah. that they come at, you're like, oh, this is about to get much worse. And you grab the camera, you jump in the tent and then it's like torrential. So, yeah. so it could be, yeah, yeah. And, the, and then there's times where you're like, oh, I'm hearing torrential and I'm not out of my sleeping bag yet. So, so there's a lot definitely to be said for the creative that comes uh, to shoot. And in my case, I've, for this particular reason, and I think that you speak of your companions that you've had and the not so great ones as well, I only go on adventures with people that I'm extremely comfortable with. And my friends that, that I have done this, uh, a lot of my expeditions with, are the type of people that they're like, they know that I'm going to stop 10 times in a day to shoot. They know that some days I might not even feel like like paddling or doing anything that day because I want to shoot and I need to shoot and I need to to create content because that's how I make a living and that's how I make the 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 adventure happen and it's just a cycle that has to be done and these are the type of guys that that I love going on adventures with because they get me on that point with so many I've tried with other people before and they're like oh you get that like impatient look of like, oh, you're stopping again, or yeah. you're, and you're just like, yeah. well, no, no, <laughs> this is, and then you take some shots of them and show them after, and they're like, wow, that was amazing, and you're like, yeah, I know, uh, but we need to stop in order to create that content. Yeah. So, so I think you know, it's a it's a many hat thing here that that uh, that we do and that, and that you've done on these adventures. But I guess we're we're overdue for a paddling trip uh, coming I up because I, I think we understand each other. <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> we're, we've we've we're, kind of hit on that before. Yeah, yeah. In the uh, in messages and stuff, and then every yep. time that we randomly pass on the highway, we both yeah. always
0: have our vehicles, totally <laughs> Lo- adventure mobiles,
1: and I'm like,
0: "Yes, Get, where are you going? Like, that's always yeah. thinking of where are <laughs> going? Where do I- come from?" Where the- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll have to to make it happen for sure. And you, know, I was it with Jamie. I saw uh, some pictures with some track kayaks as well. Was that um, with that uh, with Jamie?
1: Well, so I know the track guys, um, Nolan and um, and that crew. So I, every time I go over to the island, I stay at the track place. Now that they're there, um, right? I camp out in their backyard and connect with them. Um, oh,
0: that's wicked! Because these these yeah. track right, for people that are unaware that these track kayaks uh, like are expedition boats, and actually Track was our first sponsor ten, eleven, twelve years ago. Um, that, uh, they're these kayaks that fold into a, a golf bag. It used to be a golf bag, now it's a much nicer bag, but really neat. They've got three hydraulic jacks, uh, and you can stuff the front and the back of the kayaks with as much gear as you want, and you can change, adjust the rocker. The only thing I, I was never a huge fan of with the boats is that if you are in some really big waves and you're starting to get a lot of water, uh, into the boat, that, uh, it, it it's, it's a big glove. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, so you can get a good chunk uh going in and then it's better to to pull over like if you're in a big big wave scenario and there's just been a bit too much coming in um that's the only thing that i've been like ah all right not my favorite so but aside from that i find them to be absolutely beautiful beautiful rides they
1: are they're beautiful super cool boats Um, yeah and i've also been a part of the paddling (laughs) the pacific paddling symposium um for a couple of years out on the vancouver island so i've got to know so many paddlers from all over the world through that right. and then that kind of that community of really like long distance expedition pushing kind of limits within in particular sea kayaking Yes, kind of small uh, right and very at least very very connected
0: yes um, so, definitely it's, so, a, it's a small community the niche like the niche of sea kayakers and then sea kayakers that actually do multi-day trips is like even smaller
1: yeah yeah so so you say any name, we all kind of know each other, um, yes. I think, or, or know of each other. And I'm like, I've dreamed of paddling with that person or whatever it is. So, yeah, yeah I've, I chatted with that person the other day. I,
0: I've got uh, <laughs> two uh, two wilderness systems boats on the way uh, nice. that should be arriving to my door soon. <laughs>
1: awesome. I have, I have one um, wilderness system that Valhalla Pier in Squamish um, oh, nice. gave me. It was one of their rental ones and they gave it yep. to me. So,
0: Oh, that's yeah. wicked. And, and, yeah. and I, I love to hear that they gave because then they appreciate that they, what you're, what you're doing. And these boats yeah. are, are pretty penny. They're 2,500, 3,500 bucks uh, for, yeah. for most of them. I'm going to be heading to, uh, I think, uh, desolation sound again in the spring. You're more than welcome uh, awesome. to join us I'm, if you'd um, like.
1: I'm going to be working. I have a job now, um, as an eco guardian, oh, working, cool. um, out at race rocks marine reserve um they have to have us uh, somebody stationed there at okay. all times yeah so i started that in the fall and did one month stint there and come april i'll be back out there for two two and a half months
0: oh wow um, and what's an eco guardian basically like just so, making sure that yeah
1: <laughs> there's, there's a ton to that job it's definitely uh, wear many hats um so race rocks marine reserve is a little cluster of basically a, a, a reef essentially a little cluster yeah. of rocks uh, off the southwest shore of vancouver island okay and it's got a lighthouse on it and then it's got kind of a research station and, and are you lighthouse. living in the lighthouse and no there's a little no. ho- there's a little house <laughs> on the on it it's 240 <laughs> hectares so it's tiny where you're right. living and it's just you there and you live there for your month or your two and a half months or however oh, long wow. your stint is by yourself. And it's because it's a, a reserve, it's affiliated with BC parks, um, yep. parks Canada, because there's a lighthouse, you're working with the coast guard um, there's a weather station. So you're working with environment Canada and then hey, the, guardianship, yep. the guardianship was granted to Pearson college, which is, um, about a 20 minute boat ride on yep. Vancouver Island. And that's where the Pacific Paddling Symposium is held. So I got connected with Pearson College. Yeah. And they want a very specific type of person, of course, yes. that they can trust out there to not go insane. Yes. Um, but but the <laughs> of of running the solar panels, maintaining the batteries, doing the weather, you have to do animal counts once a week so you have to go around and count up all the different varieties and all of the 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 amount of each species and then you have to report um poachers to dfo like it's it's a full-on there's so much to go that goes (laughs) into it but it's also just the most rewarding and so fun thing because you're just you there
0: that Um, that sounds amazing but you really have to be comfortable with yourself
1: Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be, I, you gotta be that driven. You have to be motivated to find work too, because there's nobody there that's telling you, well, why don't you go and repair the the side of the building, or why don't you go haul up logs to make right, firewood right. for the next person? Like you have to be so self motivated there, um, which is that's, also really fun. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, I think that's amazing. And I'm guessing you do have internet in order to be able to communicate uh, all the data and the information out to to these different entities. The Wi-Fi and cell service there is
1: better than anywhere else because of all the, the weather right. stations and, the and all of those communications needing to work perfectly, that you can be up at the top of the lighthouse and doing like interviews and stuff. And oh, yeah, it's, it's so fun.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do another interview when you are at the top of the lighthouse looking out and about. But I hope that oh, yeah, bef- sure. before then that we'll get out uh, Gap Paddling. It sounds like April you're doing, so it would have to be sometime in March. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Sometime before then, for sure, I'll, I'll well, be around between uh, between Cultus Lake and Squamish, and uh, and
0: you and yeah. you have a road now, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: well, Jillian, you've been wicked, wicked fun to talk about. You you leave me uh, inspired to get out and go after more of that type two fun. It's a little trickier now with my three mini humans, but uh, but now that they're going into their more regular routine that allows for me to kick out for the the more extreme stuff that I guess to a certain degree I've put a, put aside. Uh, so I look forward to our paddling adventure. I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show tonight. What's your Instagram?
1: It's Jillian A. Brown Photography.
0: Super. I, I know it, but I want you to say it for people. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I look and, forward to finally
1: getting on the water with you as well.
0: Definitely. And do let me know when you're you're back in Squamish. And uh, let's connect once again. Thanks, Julian Brown. Oh,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, well, we'll be in touch soon again.
1: Sounds good. Have a great time down there.
0: Thanks. Take care. Well, super nice, super nice to have uh, Julian on the show. She she lives uh, her own version of a life, Extraordinary. And she has the most one, you know, one of the things that you can't see um, when you're listening is uh, obviously the person and whatnot, but she has... A million dollar smile, just one of those smiles that you could probably hear it in her voice uh, when she speaks that you can't help yourself, but smile when you see her do so. So um, so I, I tip my hat to this lady extraordinary. Um, she, she's done so many different things that, uh, that I understand when it comes to, to expedition. So it's really nice to talk to people that your kindred spirits with because you have a similar lifestyle. And when she chats about us crossing on the road and stuff, you know, more often than not, both of us have sea kayaks uh, or some type of vessels on our roofs, uh, which, which speaks to the similar interests that we have. So uh, very, very interesting woman. I invite you to check out her Instagram and, and follow her journey and give her some support. Um, lots of interesting stuff about anything from paddling to, Uh, mental health. And of course, I didn't even get to chat about and I meant to ask her about her her art and her drawings because they look spectacular as well. So do take head on over there. Take a look. And uh, and that's about it. I better get packing because tomorrow I head back to Whistler, Canada for a quick stint up in the mountains. So I hope you all enjoyed the show tonight. I really appreciate everyone listening and we'll see you next time. I'm Roberto for Life Extraordinary, Expeditioner, out.